Hi, everyone. It's tremendous to be with you, and uh, we have had an excellent time both here earlier and then across at Lee and then back here, and the vibe that is in this room is tremendous. I, I think the worship team have led superbly, and yeah, absolutely outstanding. Uh, it is a tremendous joy to be with you. As Steve said, we are friends, and uh, I bring greetings from River of Life. Uh, this is a friendship not only between our families, but between our churches, and there are many in this room and in the other meetings where friendships exist, and you are all very warmly invited to come to Zimbabwe. Uh, and uh, I think there will be teams coming out later this year and probably next year, and whenever we travel into different parts of the world, we grow and learn, and it's especially rich to go on these kind of relational strengths as well. Uh, not only um, do I want to thank you for these friendships, but I also bring uh, thanks and greetings to you from Ebenezer College in Matopos, in the Matabili land part of Zimbabwe. And you guys took up an offering uh, some months ago, maybe 15 months, 18 months ago, and it was a critical offering that enabled capacity to be generated in this agricultural college that has now put it on the verge of self-sustainability. There are 140-odd apprentices on 40 or 50 hectares of land, 40,000 chickens laying, and uh, every year we're graduating 50 to 70 young men and women who have faith in Christ, are able to provide for their families, and are wanting to raise the next generation and family that honors God. Very, very exciting. And uh, one final thank you and affirmation that I want to bring you is the role that King's Church is playing in New Frontiers globally. And uh, as you are generous with your time and your skills and talents and your money, uh, you are platforming... Uh, the ability for leaders and influencers to minister beyond King's Church. And uh, Steve and Deb recently have been involved in drawing together the New Frontier Spheres in the UK, which in the era past Terry Virgo, uh, no one really knew what was going to happen with the different spheres and how were we going to stay as New Frontiers when we were going to be called different names uh, and Steve and Deb have done a remarkable work, a significant work of drawing that together so that we're seeing more churches planted than ever before, more people coming to Christ than ever before, not only in the UK but in the world at large. And somehow there's something which has happened where as the UK draws together strongly in unity, and it's in my message this morning actually, unity implies diversity as that happens, God somehow pours out a blessing even wider than just those people. Uh, and God's Word says that. He commands a blessing where there's unity. It runs down Aaron's beard onto his cloak. It like just goes. And uh, I believe that Kings has played a significant role and is able to continue to play a significant role globally just by the strength of what you're building here. So my prayer this morning is that I would be able to bring some blessing back to you as you have blessed in the UK and globally. And so I'd love to pray that, and then we'll get stuck into the message. Father, thank you so much for the beautiful way that you build your church, that you promise to build it, and that the gates of hell will not prevail. Lord, thank you for what you've done in these relationships across the earth. Thank you for friendship. 
Thank you, Father, that there is promise ahead. And I pray, Lord, that this message would be significant for kings, that it would lay foundations, that it would be identified, it would shape identity, that it would move this church forward, that it would affirm and it would challenge and it would inspire in the purposes that you've called kings to. Pray this for your glory, Lord. Amen. Great. Please would you turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, John chapter 17. And uh, we're going to look at some scriptures in John 17 and then in Acts 13. While you're turning there, uh, to give you some context, my mother is Scottish and my father Portuguese. And I was born in Rhodesia. And Rhodesia became Zimbabwe Rhodesia, and then became Zimbabwe. And I was then stripped of my Zimbabwean citizenship birthright uh, at the age of 38 under the Mugabe regime. And I'm in the process of trying to get that back. And I married a South African. So multi-ethnicity has been a big issue in my life. Uh, Growing up, I not only had multi-ethnicity, I had multi-identity. I carried two passports. My Portuguese passport had the same photograph, different name. Paulo Urico Marques. Não sei se talvez tem os brasileiros aqui ou tem os portugueses. Estão lá. Bem-vindo. Portuguese is the language that will be spoken in heaven, (laughs) and so I'm just helping you to get to connect a little bit. Uh, And uh, my Portuguese name, I dropped at 12 years old when the the passport expired, and it had been uh, gained for me by my parents who were not sure what was going to happen in the end of the Civil War in Rhodesia, and there were certain minority groups of which we were part of that they thought there were going to be some uh, bad days ahead. Uh, I don't know if that was legal or not, but I think it's far enough away that I won't be put in jail. So I've told you about it. Uh, uh, it, This has not only been a massive issue for me in my life, but it's a massive issue in society as a whole. The issue of diversity and difference and complexity. And I love to be part of a church that not only addresses these issues, but celebrates these issues. And I hope that the preach this morning will inspire you to celebrate even more. Uh, I love being part of a global family of churches, New Frontiers, and uh, River of Life Church. When you come and visit Zimbabwe, no doubt you'll come to River of Life. It's very much like kings. We have everyone from very dark black shades through to very pale white, and everything in between in equal proportions. And it is something of incredible beauty. I love that church. And this is a church that reminds me so much of that. But uh, diversity is not only a massive issue uh, personally and not only a massive issue globally. We need to ask, is this a massive issue theologically? Is this a massive issue to God? Or what is it? How does it fit in? And we're about to read a passage from John 17, which is actually Jesus' final prayer before he is betrayed and arrested. And just before we go to read it, I love to look at other 
sacred, so-called sacred writings around things like this. When we look at a big issue and we look at what does God say about it, I find it useful at that moment to have a look in other areas as well. And so I've compared the Quran and the Bhagavad Gita, particularly in preparing for this message. And it's extraordinary how the Word of God, the Bible, speaks with such authority, illumination, such intensity, such depth and intimacy, glory around issues of diversity. And the Bhagavad Gita and the Quran almost silent. Or when it will refer to an issue of diversity or difference, very monotone to do with um, marriage, perhaps. And as long as you've converted to Islam, then it's okay to marry. It's that type of context that the Quran will refer to issues of diversity. I also keep my eye on contemporary literature when I come to something like this. And I looked at Harry Potter and Hello Magazine and Black Panther and The Greatest Showman. And just looked at contemporary culture and what is being said out there about diversity. And once again, though there are many beautiful things said in there, and in fact, I'll have a couple of quotes from a couple of those movies before we read from Revelation 7. There is nothing in contemporary literature that comes close to what the Word of God says on this issue. John chapter 17, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over flesh to give eternal life to all who you've given him, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do, and now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Jesus' prayer at the moment of betrayal, at the moment of arrest, at the moment of injustice and beating and flogging and crucifixion and the grave of which we know only the tip of the iceberg because we do not understand what it is for God to be separated in and of himself and to experience death and sin as the author of life. Before he goes there, he is praying for this unity with him and the Father. He's saying, I've done the work that you've called me to do. Just the cross ahead. And he's praying for this unity. And having prayed about his own relationship with the Father for four verses, he now prays for those who he has led to the Father, those who have believed his word. And after praying for them, he prays even more for us today. Verse 20, I do not ask only for these, those who believed him, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's every person here today who has believed in Jesus. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory, the very glory that you have given me, I have given to them. What is that? That they may be one even as we are one. 
I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. It's close now. Miss Markle, I can't remember her first name, is marrying Prince Harry. Meghan. Meghan is marrying Prince Harry. What a love story. It's huge. Read all about it in Hello. But there is, there is nothing that compares to the depth of what is going on here. And I'd love you to not miss five key things about diversity from what we've just read. The first is that diversity is integral to the very nature of who God is. Diversity is fundamental to who God is in and of Himself. God reveals Himself as diversity in unity. That's who He is. This is not an issue that we're grappling with in the fallen world that before sin, everything was just one. There was one type of person and now we're dealing with the fallout of the rebellion that Adam caused. No, this is before creation. This is in who God is. And Jesus praying here is echoing Genesis 1 where God revealed himself as Elohim in the beginning God. I don't know if you've read the Quran. I love comparing to the Quran. The first verses of the Quran are all about a man praying and declaring who God is. It's a, it's a man-centered perspective right at the beginning of the sutra. The first seven verses. You are the man saying, you are the almighty God. You are the ruler. You are the this. And it's all good stuff. Pretty good stuff. The problem is, it's coming from the perspective of a man attesting who God is. I love the scripture. Man gets created on the sixth day, I think in the afternoon. <laughs> it's like God reveals himself in the beginning. God. Who is this God? Elohim. It's one God, Elohim. It's a singular word, but the very word is plural in and of itself. And it leads him to say, let us create man in our own image. And so in the image of God, he created them. You have this interplay of them, we, us, he. In God's creation of us, he says, the scripture says God created man. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Right at the core of who God is, is diversity. And we grapple to understand it. We grapple to understand how can he be many and one. And God reveals himself progressively through Scripture, progressively through Scripture. And Jesus here praying, Father, in verse 1, lifted up his eyes, Father, the hours come, glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you, since you have before the beginning of time. Verse 5, Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. Later on, verse 21, May they all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so they may be in us, so the world may believe. The Athanasian Creed grapples with these concepts, tries to articulate something of the wonder of who God is. That this unity in God 
requires diversity in and of himself. Unity requires commitment to remain despite forces that pull us apart. I imagine Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane saying, if there's any way this cup could be taken from me, let it be. Yet not my will, but yours be done. There's a diversity and a unity. Today we drank from that cup. Not in Gethsemane, we drink of the cup because he drank of it and maintained that unity. Now today we are one body. We all partake of the one flesh and drink of the one cup. The Athanasian Creed battles to articulate this. And I, I love a bit of it says this, that we worship God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confounding the persons nor dividing the essence. For there is one person of the Father and one of the Son and another of the Holy Ghost. But the Godhead of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost is one. The glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. Such as the Father is, such is the Son, and such is the Holy Spirit. The Father uncreated, the Son uncreated, the Holy Ghost uncreated, the Father unlimited, the Son unlimited, the Holy Spirit unlimited, the Father eternal, the Son eternal, the Spirit eternal, and yet they are not three eternals, but one eternal. Can you worship Jesus and applaud Him for the glory of who He is in Himself? These are not three uncreated, nor three infinities, but one uncreated and one infinite. God is in himself of diversity in his very nature. Second point we get from this, diversity is integral to the character of God. Jesus here prays, verse 5, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. Character of God is what God does, how he rolls. The nature of God is who he is. And so we go back to creation or the moments before creation to see what is God like. And we know that the moment God created, he created in diversity. And yesterday, if you were at the marketplace seminar in the morning, we looked at the size of the universe. What happened when God said, let there be light? I think there was a huge bang and light again. Uh, obeyed at the speed of light, 300,000 meters per second. And we know that the size of our, our galaxy, which is called the Milky Way, is 100,000 light years wide. It takes light traveling at that speed for 100,000 years to travel from one side to the other. And we know that the closest galaxy, spiral galaxy to us, is Andromeda, 980,000 light years away. And when you get there, you get another spiral galaxy. And do you know how many of these galaxies there are, separated sometimes by millions of light years? If you go home and look up on Wikipedia, the source of all truth, <laughs> you will see cited the Hubble Space Center. They've just upgraded the estimated number of known galaxies in the universe to three trillion galaxies each galaxy having between hundreds of billions and hundreds of trillions of stars. And every star different. Every planet different. 
every snowflake different, every fluttering eyelash different, every pitch of voice different, every fingerprint different. There is diversity. And within that diversity, unity. It holds together. And sin has come in and flawed it. But before sin, it was in absolute beauty. Now today, creation groans for the Son of God to be revealed and for the new heavens and new earth. But that diversity and that glory was there before sin came. Sin is what makes it go And today we're dealing with Syria. And today we're dealing with challenges of prejudice and challenges of racism and challenges of sexism and challenges of all different kinds. But in the very character and nature of God, there is diversity. The next point we get from the scripture is that diversity is integral to the gospel of God. Not only the nature of God and the character of God, but the good news of the gospel. Jesus says here, verse 2, glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you've given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you've given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The gospel is that it is open to everyone to know Christ. The gospel is not dependent on the color of your skin. The gospel is not dependent on the passport you hold. It is not dependent on your tribe, on your skill level, on your sex, on your sexual orientation. The gospel is not dependent on what you've done or you haven't done, good or bad. Nothing else counts for anything before Christ except that we know Him the one and only true God. That is the gospel. And when you get that, you can get unity because you celebrate diversity. You say, all these things I now, I once counted to my gain or even my loss, I count them rubbish compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. And everyone can participate in that. That is the gospel. We haven't got the gospel if you cannot embrace diversity because the very same problem that you think they've got, you've got. There's no one who, who, the Bible is saying here, there's no one that can point to others and say, you have less access to the Father than me. I am some kind of privileged person. There's nothing. Diversity is fundamental to the gospel because it highlights that it is not about us, but it is about him and his grace and his love and his perfection given to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Fourth point, diversity is integral to the church of God. Not only the nature of God, the character of God, the gospel of God, but the church of God. Look at verse 21 that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. In God's design, as you and I are united with Christ and with one another, we fulfill God's purpose through the church to demonstrate his love to the world. 
He says it again in the very next verse. Verse 22. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. He uses the word perfect in a moment, in case you haven't got it. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Jesus says over and over and over and over again, the way we love one another out of the love that God has given us will enable the world to know that God loves them. Love breaks boundaries. You heard different people calling out the praises of God in different languages today. I don't have time to read it in Portuguese. It sounds amazing in Portuguese. A geração eleita. A generation elect, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood called to declare the praises of God from every nation, tribe, and tongue. As we as the church live that, it breaks all boundaries because there's nothing like that in the world. In a moment, we're going to look at this in application, diversity in action. It's jolly hard to love each other, to be together. I remember saying at my wedding day, I will love you for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. And whenever I marry a couple, I make them say those things. If they're not willing to say them, I don't marry them. Because I said them with gooey feelings. And I've lived them with blood, sweat, and tears. I am perfect and my wife is imperfect and it has caused major, major problems. No, I'm rubbish. I, I cause most of them. But you'll find, even with the very person you marry, with whom you are one flesh, you've given your heart, it is hard. It takes commitment. It takes perseverance. It takes sacrifice. And so when it happens in a whole people, when it happens across churches, and the whole purpose is that others would know that they're loved, there's nothing on planet Earth like it. There's nothing in the cosmos. There's nothing in the universe. This is the church. This is the thing that God is going to demonstrate His manifold wisdom and glory in the church to the rulers of heavenlies. You're part of kings. You're part of the real thing. This is a great city, London, and the gospel has been preached for years. You are living it. You are doing it. I want to encourage you to be the church in your workplace, to be rooted in, to be part of a group, to be giving, to be praying. And as you go out there to shine the love, and you might be in business, you might be in education, you might be in politics, you might be at home, you might be a bus driver, whatever you are, you are the church. That's your identity. And the identity comes from our love, God's love for us. And as we love one another, others can see that God loves them. Diversity is integral to the church itself. And the last point from these verses is diversity is integral to the glory of God. Not only the nature, the character, the gospel, and the body of Christ but the glory of God. Almost every verse that I've read to you this morning 
So many of these verses in Jesus' final prayer before he gets arrested is about glory. He's after glory. The whole reason he's come to earth, he's come from glory, and he's coming through glory, and he's going back to glory, and it's just glory, glory, glory. The whole purpose of our lives, Jesus thinks, should be about the glory of God. And he's saying here that this issue of diversity is part of glory. Verse 2, the hour has come, glorify your son that the son may glorify you. There's glory in the obedience of one to the other, the deference of one to the other, the love of one to the other. Verse uh, 22, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them. What is that? That they may be one as we are one. Verse 24, Father, I desire that they also, that you've given me, baby, with me to see my glory that you've given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. There is glory in us loving in diversity. It is fundamental to the very glory of God. I want to come in for landing and say that that gives some theological argument for that diversity is a very important issue in the church. It's concept, but it takes action for it to be earthed, for it to be incarnated, for it to be lived. I'd like you to flip over to Acts 13, and we're going to read just the first couple of verses. Acts 13, verse, verses 1 to 3. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, a member of the court of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. And they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. And the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul to the work I've called them. Then, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. In your invited series, I would imagine you've looked at this passage. I'm sure you've looked at it in other situations. But I want to highlight to you some essential characteristics of a church that has embraced diversity. Firstly, there will be diversity in gatherings. Here they list Jews and Gentiles. They list black and white. They list diversity. They list plural, leaders in plural. That's why it's great to have a church with elders. This isn't Steve Tibbet who preaches and also leads worship and plays the drums at the same time whilst he's pouring the tea. This is everybody participating. And God has gifted different people with different things, no one more important than the other. What is important is everyone is doing the thing that they are supposed to do. The church should be a place where people are able to feel welcome where we do not judge, but you can belong before you believe, before you behave. And there are many churches which kind of say in an unwritten way, you have to behave before you believe. And then maybe you might belong. But there's a holy grail to where will I actually feel family? Kings is a place where you can come in and feel like you belong before you even believe. And in belonging and experiencing the love of God, the Bible says you will know that these are my disciples by the love they have for one for another. And you will receive Christ's love and you will believe. And in believing, God will change you more and more into Christ's likeness. Jesus depth charged racism. Jesus depth charged judgment, but never compromised 
the truth. He did it in a way that he never judged. He never was sexist. He never was racist. Judgment is coming to an opinion on limited information, not having asked questions. It's where we get the expression, never judge a man until you've walked a mile in his shoes. And I think it was Steve Martin who said, yes, because then he's a mile away and you've got his shoes and you can run. <laughs> but it's very true. It's, it's so important to make an effort to learn, to understand, and areas that you don't understand not to make judgments on until you've got to understand. There will be diversity in gatherings. There will be diversity in leadership. There's not an elite, but there's an openness to diversity in leadership. I love the plurality that we see here of the leaders, the teachers, the prophets. There will be diversity in mission. It won't be an elect it won't be a single person, it won't be an elect group, but everybody on mission together. And in this passage you see it says they set apart the Holy Spirit, they were worshiping, they were together worshiping, and the Lord said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. There's diversity there the work I've called them, and then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them, and they sent them off. And you'll find that as you plant this next site, there's going to be a whole bunch that go. There'll be diversity, and there'll be a whole bunch that lay their hands on and pray and send them off. And it's as important to stay and build as it is to send and plant. Every aspect important. What is of huge significance is that we do the things that God has called us to do. Diversity in action will involve diverse gatherings, diverse leadership, and diversity in mission. I'd like to finish with one quote from The Greatest Showman and one from Black Panther. And then I'm going to ask the band to come up and we're going to sing as we read Revelation 7. The Greatest Showman, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, is one I recommend. It's a contemporary celebration of diversity. And it's a true story of the guy who started the big top, greatest show in the world, Big Top Circus. And there's this moment where a bunch of disparate uh, individuals who all have different deformities or idiosyncrasies, eccentricities have come together around his leadership. And they have succeeded, but the glory has kind of gone to his head, the leader. And he took a walk on the wild side, and I won't tell you what happens. But there's a moment where the lady, I can't remember her name, she has some facial hair, and uh, she appeals to him to come back to his roots, to who he is. And she says to him, the world is ashamed of us, but you, you put us in the spotlight. You gave us a real family. And in the movie, the song that it goes into is just phenomenal. The soundtrack is incredible. But as I heard her say those words, I felt Jesus talk about me. Steve introduced me beautifully today. He's done it three times. I'm going to record it on the fourth so that I can remember it. I know who I am. Apart from Christ, 
I am absolutely ashamed. I cannot stand before God. I only deserve eternal separation from the Father. The world is ashamed of me. But He has put me in the spotlight. He has enabled me to stand in the full radiance of the righteousness of God because of His blood shed for me. And He has given me a real family. There is something in the heart of the world that identifies with that. We all walk ashamed of, as Andrew said on that video, our brokenness. We are all sinners, broken people. But Jesus puts us in the spotlight and gives us a real family. He draws us into who he is in and of himself. We are drawn into family, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Black Panther puts it like this. Black Panther is a guy called T'Challa, and he's in this fight with his brother from another mother called uh, Killmonger. And they, he's challenged, Killmonger's challenged him, and they're in this massive fight, and he's wounded him, and he's down, and he's in the pool, and he's about to die. And uh, he draws deep, and he says in that moment, my name is T'Challa, son of T'Chaka. <sighs> You've got to see it if you haven't. And he stands up in the strength of his identity, and he fights. And I won't tell you what happens, because you might not have seen the movie. For you and I, when we issue out prejudice, we are knocked down and wounded. When we are issued prejudice, we are knocked down and wounded. And the only answer in this fallen world where that exists is for our identity to be in our Father. I stand before you today as one imperfect through what I've done and one imperfect through what people have done to me. And I say, my name is Scott, son of the Father. Son of the Father. What an identity. Drawn into this relationship. As I am in them, so they in me, may they be in us. This is my family. And from that identity, we are able to fight with the weapons, not of this world, but weapons of love, patience, joy, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Would you close your eyes? The band is going to come up. Steve is making funny uh, gyrations to me, but Hillary's anchoring the meeting. <laughs> and... And we're going to sing this song saying, he is greater than it all. He is greater than it all. Syria is being bombed and Brexit is happening or not happening. And there's all these things. Diversity. And God is greater than it all. I wonder if you could close your eyes. I want to read this picture of heaven and then us to celebrate this God. Picture of heaven. Close your eyes. After this, I looked. And behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and branches in their hands, 
crying out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and the Lamb. And the angels were standing around the throne and the four living creatures fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, blessing and glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, power, and might be to our God forever and ever. Father, we thank you for the beauty of who you are, the beauty of what you've created. We thank you for the beauty of the church that you have taken from ashes and you are demonstrating your manifold glory through in the redemption that has come by Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you have destroyed the dividing walls and that you make us one. And I pray for this church that they may be one with you and one another, that you would enable the body of Christ across the world to be strengthened in you, that we would shine the light and love of the Father in the way we love each other, that the world may know that you have loved them. Hallelujah.